are listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in natural healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their field, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter is your forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. Welcome. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and we are broadcasting from Malibu, California. So welcome to everybody around the world, and I hope that your life is bright and that you take this show and go and make someone else's life brighter today. But first off, we'd like to share some great inspiration with you. As I told you before last week, I'm on my way down to John of God soon, and if anyone would like to... Uh, submit for a remote healing and a prayer request or get some blessed herbs and get worked on remotely or has someone that they need to um, pray for or needs help, please contact me directly at makinglifebrighter at yahoo.com and I will get back to you about that prayer request. I'm going down there uh, very soon and I have some people that need some some intense healing work, as well as the journey that's a very spiritual and in-depth journey that is in the vortex of the Casa de Dominacio. And um, I am looking forward to sharing with you when I get down there that trip, as I always do. And you can go back and check out all the archives that I have of my journeys to John of God, starting with my very, very, very first show. And you can find that at makinglifebrighter.com on the radio tab or on the player and so I even have an interview with John of God himself which turned out (laughs) really interesting because I did the radio interview and then it didn't take and I thought "Uh uh-oh that's it I'm getting thrown out and he sat back and said no no just stay like we're old friends let's just talk a while and it really did feel like we were old friends and so you can check that out as well it's called live with John of God I think that was in August of 2015. So anyway, today I would like to reintroduce to you our special guest from last week, Mr. Gary Williams, who is broadcasting from Spain to come back and talk to us about his work and his lifelong journey into the paranormal, psychic phenomena, and all things of that nature. So welcome back, Gary. Thank you for coming again. Hello again from Marbella, Marbella, Spain, sunny sunny Spain, not too sunny today, but okay. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And, and just to recap a little bit, you had been over here. You lived in the U.S. You lived actually right here in Malibu, next to Shirley MacLaine, you said. And now you've taken up uh, residence over there in Spain. How come? Uh, same climate, same weather, much less price. Ah, well, that would do it. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, you can't can't live on Pacific Coast Highway for five hundred a month. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Do you speak fluent Spanish? I speak enough Spanish to get by, and the area that I live in is very English speaking, meaning people from Great Britain, not Americans, mm. people from England. Okay, well, I have a question for you. I'm going to dive right in, and I'm just going to turn the corner here. Gary's written a number of books about um, healers, psychics, mediums, as well as exploration into those fields. 
But in the last show, which you can go back and listen to from last week, uh, he mentioned an extraordinary experience that moved him into this work, and he mentioned Leslie Flint. Well, as I researched some of this, it's always occurred to me that some of the most profound psychic phenomenon believers come out of England, and some of the best psychics always come out of England. I wondered what you thought of that. Why do you think that's so? I would have to say that the British Society for Psychical Research, or the SBR, investigated this stuff starting with the, in the 1880s, 1885. Um, you might say something in the water. I don't really know. I would have to say that the brilliant minds who have come to accept the fact that mediumship or communicating like Leslie did with independent voice or direct voice, as, as it's called, uh, those people basically were great scientists. I'll give you one. Uh, Sir Oliver Lodge, he was the inventor of the spark plug, the loudspeaker, and wireless radio before Marconi. Now, this man, <laughs> this is just one guy, okay, we can go on forever about other people. But yeah, I would have to say that great minds like Lodge and uh, Fred William Henry Myers, he's one of my great heroes, by the way, he's in the book. Uh, all these people were Cambridge scholars, Oxford scholars, and they wanted to get to the bottom of it. So um, I don't think it's something in the water. I think it's actually the fact that England, oh, we mustn't forget the great, great, great medium um, who studied at the College of Psychic Studies. I studied at the College of Psychic Studies. That doesn't mean much. Eileen Garrett, she was a very famous Irish medium, and she went to New York and she founded the Parapsychology Foundation. You can look it up. And she was also precognitive in the sense that she could see things before they happened. And this has all been documented. So I hope that may not answer the question, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> it answers it just fine. It's just interesting, you know, because I believe in this kind of work, it really is science. And if it's coming from a pure source, it's very scientific. It's just other energy. And we're being able to finally document the energy fields that are playing into it. And you mentioned that when you had your extraordinary first experience, which I'll have you recap for us, you noticed uh, an ectoplasm change, uh, and a, something outside of the actual body and a voice outside of the body. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I had no idea I was being taken to a seance by my biology teacher. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I was 16 years old. It was the early 60s. I had no idea what she had in mind. And I don't think she had any idea what she had in mind. We ended up in this spiritualist seance, which we actually, uh, she lied to get into because she had to pretend that we had been to these before. We'd never been to anything like this. And uh, the medium just basically was a very ordinary-looking man who sat in this corner with a curtain across it. Uh, and um, his guide, well, they said it was a guide, was an Indian girl. And she had long, braided, long black braided hair. I'll never forget as long as I live. And she materialized out of the smoke. 
and walked around to everybody. There were about 25 people in the room. And walked around, walked around, shook, shook everybody's hands and said, now we're going to do our best now. We can't promise. We're going to bring your loved ones if we can do that. Well, I got to tell you, when that Indian girl came and shook my hand and I saw that <laughs> she was real, I wanted to get out of the room. So sure. I was a kid. Yeah, I was just a kid, you know. Uh, and I was all dressed up in a suit and tie. You know, in those days, you didn't go around like people do today, in blue jeans and all that stuff. I mean, uh, in the old days, you dressed up. So I perspired through all through that suit. I perspired completely through that suit and everything. Um, and my uncle materialized. My uncle, Lud Garthy, who lived in Traverse City, Michigan, where my father was born, uh, had died of cancer two years before. It was my uncle, Lud Garthy. There's no way that you could say that man didn't materialize. And uh, he spoke to me. I can't remember what he said. I do remember what Dr. Jung said, because I will never forget. I went back to my seat, you see, and I'll recap this quickly. I went back to my seat, and I said, well, that's over with. Uncle Lud is not not really dead, you know. He's still alive in another dimension or something. Well, the lady comes back to me. She says, young man, you're not through yet. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got to come back again. And there was this elderly man that came for me. He was an old man. He was a little bit on the hunched overside. He looked to be about in his 70s. And when he materialized out of the ectoplasmic smoke, and he absolutely, I must tell you, that the floor was made of concrete. So when they went down, you know, when they disappeared, you know, they went right down in this concrete floor, and it was, couldn't possibly be. He said, my name is Carl Jung. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got to get out of this room. Next, it'll be Sigmund Freud. And, you know, I said, uh, is, I didn't say something smart, you know, like, is Dr. Freud with you? Because I didn't even know who Carl Jung was. Anyway, it turns out, I'll cut to the chase, turns out for the unenlightened, and I use that term a lot in my book, for the unenlightened, it means that people who've never done any research of their own and form a bias, that Carl Jung was a spiritualist. He studied spiritualism. His father was a Protestant minister. He wasn't having any of it. He wasn't having any of it. I'm not having any of this nonsense, he said. And he, he was, uh, wrote his doctoral dissertation about a medium, Helena Priswick. And, of course, Dr. Jung was a very, very, very famous psychoanalyst. And he wrote a book called Memories, Dreams, Reflections. You can look it up in the book in the library. And the last chapter of the book was Life After Death. He stood there and he said to me, I'm one of your guides. I'm here to help you. Took my hand, grabbed it. I said, here's a piece of Wrigley's chewing gum. Crumple it up. I don't believe you're real. Hand it back to me, and I'll keep the chewing gum on my shelf. And I did. <laughs> wow. And that's how really? it went down. Oh, that's how it went down. My oh, teacher my. said I was nuts. But you know what? what? Guess who ended up being right and who ended up being wrong? My teacher went on believing in religion, and Gary Williams went on believing in psychical research. And you took it that direction for the rest of your life. Well, you not, only a- the direct, not only the rest of my life, but Jung has proven to me through, well, when I wrote A Walk on the Wild Side, which is on my website, uh, GaryWaysParanormal.com, 
when I wrote A Walk on the Wild Side, I mean, I had to admit the fact that, you know, we've grown by leaps and bounds since the 1880s. And I said, who would have believed the invention of the reel-to-reel tape recorder? Okay, the cassette tape recorder. Now, I guess that's obsolete because, you know, I'm, I'm an old radio guy. I started out in the 60s, you know, with reel-to-reel and all that. Okay, so now it's everything digital. Who would have believed that that would be a means of communication with the so-called departed, which is EVP? Anybody can do it. Anybody yeah. can do it. You don't but, you have know, to be a psychic. No, I'm telling the truth. I'm holding yeah. up my left hand. I'm left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us how did that how did that experience then affect you? Like you go home from that, and then what? You're you tell. I tell came home and sure. my parents took me to a psychiatrist within a week, and they and the psychiatrist told me there's no such thing as life after death. He of course knew who Carl Jung was. And, of course, I had the piece of chewing gum, which, it, you know, he said, well, you could have crumpled it up yourself as far as that is concerned. The interesting uh, uh, note on this case is that years later, I went out to her, her uh, my teacher's name was Elber Hubbard. I went out to, Elber, to, to Mrs. Hubbard's house, and her husband's name was John. I went out to, when I was in my 20s, and we talked about it. And she said, I saw it with my own eyes, but I just can't make myself believe it. And see, she was so steeped in materialism. She was steeped in, okay, sound waves. Let's take sound waves. For hundreds of years, scientists didn't know there were sound waves in there. You can't see them, but they're there. And I think it was one of the most interesting things, because I've researched all this, because I think the electronic voice phenomena, and you can talk to your listeners about that, about what it is, uh, is one of the most fascinating things. It was the Italian researcher Bocci who brought through spirit voices on his radio. They had taken the tubes out and unplugged it, and it still worked. Okay. And what did the voices say? And this is very important for people to hear. We're living in another dimension. <laughs> yes. Mark that word. Mark that word. Dimension. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got to get physics involved. Guess what's going to happen in the next fifty years? We're living in another dimension. Well, what does that mean? It means that physics is going to discover this dimension, and then everything is going to be like the Earth is round, it's not flat. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Earth revolves around the Sun. The Sun does not revolve around the Earth. Um, and, of course, the Christians put everybody to death. Of course, the Catholic Church put everybody to death because you mustn't believe that the, that the earth revolves around the sun. It has to be the other way around. What we're coming up to is a revolution in science. We're, we're coming up to a revolution in thinking. And we're coming up to new paradigms that are overdue by about 100 years. That's what we're coming up to. When he said the words, another dimension, bells went off. Because this is exactly what it has to be. It can't be anything else. Wavelengths, whatever you want to call it, I'm not a scientist. But I will tell you that when that man materialized, he was there. He was solid. And I wanted to get, as a matter of fact, I was this funny story about this. I was sitting in front of the only room, only door in the room. I was sitting in front of the only door in the room. You couldn't get in or out that door unless you, was, unless you went through me. And there was no, no fakery in that thing. So there you go. So there, that was that's fantastic. That was, 
That was 1963 when I started out, yeah. I started out and I went from there to haunted houses and poltergeist cases and stuff like that. I got involved with all that later on, but now, well, you know, gonna, now I'm involved with We're yeah. going to take oh, a yeah. quick break, and we're going to come back and, and explore some more of what you've done and your work. And uh, Gary has a book out called The Miracle, Miracle Workers, and you can get that on Amazon.com. It's the world's psychic consultants, and uh, you can check it out, The Miracle Workers. And you can also go to his website, which is Gary. Gary Williams, paranormal.com. There you have it. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and we'll be right back. We are going to explore more of Gary's work and his upcoming book, as well as some of his amazing stories that are in the books. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back here on Making Life Brighter Radio. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry, all of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God, these healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers for years. With a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com. You voted show host Winifred Adams Writer of the Year for her Making Life Brighter consciousness columns, Entertainer of the Year two years running for her Making Life Brighter radio show, and Humanitarian of the Year for the third year running for her healing work and work at John of God. Medical intuitive and host of the Voice America Making Life Brighter radio show, Winifred Adams is your resource for wellness and consciousness training. A master healer for 20 years with a worldwide and celebrity clientele, Winifred uses her unique gifts to help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to makinglifebrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. 
If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams. And you are listening to Gary Williams today. And Gary is the author of The Miracle Workers, The World's Psychic Consultants. And he's all the way from Spain joining us yet again for week two. And he is sharing his extraordinary research work and paranormal experiences that he himself has had. Now, Gary, tell us a little bit about The Miracle Workers book. Tell us about some of the stories of the I started I started the book based on somebody well your listeners should know because he was very famous Hans Holzer Hans Holzer was a parapsychologist who wrote the Ghost Hunters and he wrote oh I don't know about 60 books I should oh he wrote about Amityville oh dear well, we must talk about Amityville. When we start getting about into Amityville, we're getting into some really controversial terrain because on my best friend was Alex Tanus, T-A-N-O-U-S, and he was um, connected to the uh, American Society of Psychical Research, very highly respectable organization. Anyway, he investigated Amityville. I'll tell you about what he found later. <laughs> Nothing. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> the, the book came about. The book came about because people like Alex, who are no longer around, and people like Leslie Flint, who you investigated, and very, very famous people who could predict the future and could contact the so-called dead, weren't being written about in this time frame. Years ago, yes. Hans Holzer, yes. I think his book was 1995, so his book is out of date by 20 years. All right, cut a long story short, yes, I wanted to meet these people and write about them. So what did I do? I found 147 people to contact and interview by Skype, phone, or in person all over the world, from mediums to predictive psychics. I interviewed them, and I chose 50 to write about. And these are the top 50s, 50, and I called them the miracle workers. And I must confess, I did steal Jess Jess Stern's title. Thank you, Jess. Uh, If you don't know who Jess Stern was, you should go to the library and get some of his books. But he did write a book called The Miracle Workers. It was about mostly Southern California people who he knew in the early 1960s. Those people are no longer living. So, you know, you can't copyright a title. But hats off to Jess Turn, everybody, by the way, if you don't know who he is. This is, a, this is just a little accolade for him. Well, tell <laughs> them a little bit about why Jess Stern was so important and what he did that was so extraordinary. Well, Jess basically discovered Edgar Cayce, and even though a book had been written called uh, There is a River by Thomas Sucru, Jess was, you know, made it popular, and he wrote Edgar Cayce, The Sleeping Prophet, which became a bestseller. You know, it was on the New York Times bestseller list, and Jess basically went from a complete skeptic 
by having readings from a psychic called Maya Perez, and Maya Perez is in The Miracle Workers, although she's no longer living, he went from a total skeptic to completely believing in psychic predictions. And <laughs> Jess and joke, I talked about... The joke was on him. <laughs> I beg your pardon? I said the joke was really on him. He got the joke into was it. on him in a way because he went from that to believing that there's a very, very, very narrow margin of free will. Very narrow margin. You know, to the point where everything that ever happened to him was predicted by, and in, in, in my case as well, you know, various things that happened to me. Uh, but no, Jess became a friend, and I stayed at his house. Uh, he introduced me to Susan Strasberg. And if you don't know who Susan Strasberg was, she was the daughter of... Uh, the head of the of the uh, acting school in New York, where Marilyn Monroe studied, and uh, she she was his daughter, and she talked to me when I lived in Hollywood. I lived in Hollywood for years. Um, you know, you probably crossed my path one day in Hollywood, maybe at Chasen's before they went out of business. But anyway, but she told me all about Marilyn Monroe, and she told me how Marilyn Monroe died. And if you'd like to talk about that, I could. T- and, and she really I knew do. Marilyn. She really. I, Should we as talk a matter of fact, uh, I'd love, yes, let's go there because my, my producer is involved in a movie that's going to be coming out about all that. And always the question is basically what happened to Marilyn? So sure, well, let's go there. Well, she was she murdered say? because what ended up happening to Marilyn was that Bobby Kennedy and JFK both were having a relationship with Marilyn. This is documented. This can't be denied. And Marilyn was extremely a, a very nice person. She was a very naive person. And Bobby said that he would, you know, leave his wife and marry her, and she believed it. Of course, he didn't really mean it, but she took it as being true. When she found out it wasn't true, what she said was, and she said this to uh uh, Slays, I can't think of his first name now. And that was happened. It also happened in Malibu. All roads, all roads lead to Malibu. That she was going to give a press conference on the Monday and disclose what Bobby Kennedy had promised and blow the whistle on both him and his brother, who was the president of the United States. So what uh, Susan told me, I'm speaking now about Susan Strasberg, Susan told me at Chasen's Restaurant, you can look it up, uh, well, that wasn't going to happen. So on that night, some people, you know, snuck in, and that was the end of Marilyn Monroe. I'm not going to go into the details, but I really do believe that, oh, and well, we do have some proof, by the way. Peter Lawford was driving the car when, when he was, Kennedy was supposed to be in San Francisco. Peter Lawford was driving the car, and he was stopped by the police, and this was on record, and the doctor, uh, Grinson, was in the back seat with Bobby Kennedy, and the policeman says, well, if you're heading toward the airport, you're going the wrong way. There you go. Uh, wow. This is all. This is all documentable. This is not hearsay. No, oh. this is all documentable. So he was you in, when you heard that. What, how did you that react night. to that? Well, an accident. How can you be murdered and have it be an accident? Mm-hmm. How did so, it affect uh, you, though, when you heard this information? How did it affect me? Well, mm-hmm. knowing Susan, and by the way, as I, Susan was a huge believer in, you know contact with the dead and everything. 
she said that she also had communications from Marilyn uh, through mediums saying that she had been done in, that she didn't kill herself. I never believed for one moment that Marilyn Rowe ever killed herself. And, uh, you know, A Walk on the Wild Side, which is a book we haven't discussed yet, um, One Man's Experiences with Psychic Phenomena, my experiences have been so outrageous that they actually rival the Amityville Horror, which was made into a movie. And I've spoken to my agent, and he says, I think we can make a walk on the wild side into a movie. We have to have somebody play you, Gary. And I said, mm. well, you could have to have somebody play me as a boy. But I played the medium in Bruno, which was a film starring Sasha Baron Cohen in Hollywood. And you can go and see that movie, by the way. And I played the psychic in Bruno, so I could play myself in that. So they're saying a walk on the wild side because of all the interesting things that happened from Carl Jung and the haunted house in Rancho Cucabanga. We haven't talked mm-hmm. about that. That haunted house and all that, that would make a, that's another Amityville. And I said, yeah, well, give me $4 million, let's do it. <laughs> Talk about let's let's hear the story about the haunted house because you kind of began that story in the last last week's show and I'd like to go in and complete that story. Let's let's dive into. Well, that. it's happened. a very 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 long story, but I'll tell you how it started out and it does have some interesting revelations that might shock listeners because a lot of people believe that Amityville was real. But to cut a long story short, in 1989, my book, A Life Beyond Death, came out in London, uh, published by Robert Hale Limited. And when that book came out, Hollywood medium Brian Hurst, Brian Hurst, Hollywood medium Brian Hurst, uh, who now lives in Reseda in the San Fernando Valley, I always say the San Fernando Valley and his orchestra, uh, that that guy was the writer, forward writer to my book. And he called me and he said, there's a poltergeist case in the Inland Empire. Would you like to investigate it? And I said, yes. And he said, stuff's flying around the room. Uh, they're under attack. Uh, water's flowing out of the ceiling. Objects are moving uh, on the mantelpiece, the fireplace mantelpiece strange voices, and would you like to go out and investigate it? So I got into my 1959 Mercedes-Benz and drove to the Inland Empire, to this house, very big house, a uh, very dark house, and it reminded me, and I said this in the Walk on the Wild Side, if you buy the book, it'll be out in June in bookstores everywhere, that I stood at the gate like Shirley Jackson's novel, The Haunting of Hill House where Eleanor stood at the gate, and she said, I trembled trying to take out a cigarette, and beyond all else, I was afraid. And I was, you know, standing there, and this lady comes out, and she beckons me into the house. Well, that went on for eight and a half months, and I lived there for eight and a half months, and we had everybody in. We had Catholic priests. We had exorcists. We had psychics. We had mediums. We had, uh, at that time... um, the, the 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 paranormal show, uh, he's dead now. The guy who did the who did the uh, intros for it, I can't think of it anymore. Oh, we had sightings. We had sightings. We had everybody in, and then the the piece de resistance. And your listeners will know. Are you ready for this? Yes. We had the Warrens. The Warrens. We had Ed and, 
We had Ed and Lorraine Warren. Are you you familiar with Ed and Lorraine Warren? No. You're not? Who are are the Warrens? Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear, he said. (laughs) Ed and and Lorraine Warren. Well, you can look up. Ed is no longer deceased. Ed Ed is deceased. Ed's uh, no longer uh, deceased? (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. This is a conversation for that. I don't know. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren were self, uh, people who, well, addressed themselves as demonologists, believing that poltergeist phenomena, which parapsychologists believe, is caused by, uh, some kind of strange phenomena brought about by, uh, phenomena that has to do with adolescent kids, uh, particularly adolescent girls. They don't know exactly how it happens. Anyway, they believe it's demons, and only Catholic priests could uh, do away with it. So the Warrens and uh, had investigated Amityville, and they had gone to Amityville when the book and the movie came out. And Alex, my friend Alex, had gone with the American Society for Psychical Research, which was a credible institution, and met the Warrens. And he said, there's nothing ever happened here. You know, just people making money on a book and a movie. There's nothing happening here. Well, they went and wrote about Alex, and he levitated off the ground. This was on a radio show called the Brian Dow Radio Show. (laughs) Hey, two feet off the ground. So Alex had to go around and refute all this, you know. So anyway, I called Alex in. Alex came and said, you know, there is a poltergeist here. But, you know, getting rid of it is not that easy. So he was not somebody that got rid of things. He just investigated things. I lived there until the phenomena finally subsided. The Warrens did come and charged them an enormous amount of money, and actually nothing really happened in terms of, of getting rid of the phenomena. I will have to say one thing. I have nothing against religion. The, the, uh, the Warrens were Roman Catholics, and they could not find a Catholic priest who would enter the house. They were too frightened. So I was at that time a very high church Episcopalian, which was called Anglo-Catholic, you know, kissing cousins, they used to call it. So I found a a church called St. Mary's in Los Angeles. Uh, You can look it up. It's uh, St. Mary's of the Angels in Hollywood. And I brought the Warrens there, and they were, they, the guy said a mass, uh, high, high Episcopal mass, and the Warrens refused to go in the church because it wasn't Roman Catholic. And I said, poor old God, he's having a hard time with the labels. That's that's really an interesting uh, foray into this this entire idea that you've got this one group of people that doesn't believe and another group of people that does believe, and then you're left with who takes care of it when you do have this kind of thing happen. And so, poltergeist phenomenon has has traditionally petered out on its on its own. It just fades out after a while. Nobody mm-hmm. can make it go away, but it just eventually does go away. I'll, I'll call your attention to the Enfield case, in which the man who wrote the foreword to A Walk on the Wild Side, another book we haven't plugged very much, is uh, well, that's coming out in June in London, by the way. Um, that man is Guy Lyon Playfair. He wrote a book called This House is Haunted. And the Enfield case was 1997. It also went on for two years. 
Well, we're going to have to hold on that story because we have to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about these stories in both of your books and the one that's coming out, the one that's already available on Amazon.com. We're talking to Gary Williams today and we're going to be right back with more Gary Williams right here on Making Life Brighter Radio and the archives you can always find at MakingLifeBrighter.com. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you seen Winifred's healing jewelry? See what collectors and celebrities have been adoring for decades. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Based on the energetic healing property of natural semi-precious gemstones. Whether you prefer a custom design or wish to choose something special from her handcrafted line of jewelry. All of Winifred's designs are tuned in a crystal quartz tuning bowl to the word love. Blessed stones by masters and even John of God. These healing pieces have been coveted by happy customers for years. With a fine eye for energy and aesthetic, Winifred brings to life the beauty within each stone and its unique healing properties. Enjoy more energy with Brazilian citrine. Protect yourself from EMFs and rebalance with tourmalines. Break unwanted patterns with beautiful appetite. Choose from a wide variety of gemstones and their healing properties. Designs by Winifred is fine jewelry with meaning. Follow on Facebook at Designs by Winifred or email at info at designsbywinifred.com You voted show host Winifred Adams Writer of the Year for her Making Life Brighter Consciousness Columns, Entertainer of the Year two years running for her Making Life Brighter radio show, and Humanitarian of the Year for the third year running for her healing work and work at John of God. Medical intuitive and host of the Voice America Making Life Brighter radio show, Winifred Adams is your resource for wellness and consciousness training. A master healer for 20 years with a worldwide and celebrity clientele, Winifred uses her unique gifts to help those in need with physical, spiritual, and emotional ailments or trauma. Individuals and families may book private sessions in person or via Skype worldwide. Go to MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information. Enjoy Winifred's monthly articles with upwards of 30,000 fans. To buy music and subscribe to her Voice America radio show, visit iTunes worldwide. Follow along on Facebook at Making Life Brighter for her latest humanitarian effort to help move elephants in South America to a free roam sanctuary. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and we are 
today, broadcasting out of Malibu, which is nice and soggy, and it's a great uh, <laughs> it's a great spring day here across Southern California, and we have special guest back yet again, Mr. Gary Williams, and he's sharing his extraordinary stories about paranormal experiences and his research throughout the years with paranormal experiences. And Gary wrote the book, The Miracle Workers, The World's Psychic Consultants, which you can get on Amazon. And he has another upcoming book out this June. And Gary, tell us the title of that book. A Walk on the Wild Side, One Man's Experiences with Psychic Phenomena. So tell us about why you actually jumped in and and did that book and what inspired you? It has a bit of a it has a bit of a a bit of a story behind that. Um, a psychic in Spain called Mark Bajerski. A psychic. I went to see him, and a psychic told me, "You have a book in your head, and I see you writing this book, and I see that this book will help a great many people. It's all about the experiences that you've had." And I said, but I had wrote a book in 89. It didn't really make a lot of money, and I wasn't all that interested. He said, no, no, this book will be taken to four to seven countries. And he, I have the notes from the reading. He said, you're like a lighthouse, a beacon. Well, this did nothing for about a year, year and a half. And I sat down, and like Abraham Lincoln, I was on a train one day going to London, and I made the notes on the back of an envelope, like the Gettysburg Address supposedly was written. I don't know if that was true, true story or not. And I wrote the outline to this book. And I came back to Spain. I came back to home. And I started remembering how I could start the book. And it was with Carl Jung and this amazing seance in 1963 when my uncle materialized and Carl Jung materialized. Warren Smith was the medium. You could look him up. He's no longer living either. And then I went on to the Poltergeist case in Upland, or Rancho Cucamonga, rather. Edgar Casey studying at the ARE, knowing Hugh Lynn, uh, meeting the Catholic priest in Boston. I went to WGBH Boston. Oh, my goodness. WGBH. My, well, that's where... <laughs> Julia Child made her shows, and Alistair Cook made Master Yep, and I worked on all of that. And then I was in, introduced to a Catholic priest who, uh, my astrologer teacher, astrology teacher, said, you must go and see Father Messina. So I went to see Father Messina at Blessed Sacrament Rectory, and he said, well, I read past lives. I go into a trance. I said, get me out of here. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> well, this all happened in, like, 19, I don't know, 74, 75, something like this. And all this turned me into believing it could be a book. And by the way, Father Messina is a real Catholic priest. And he's still in the Archdiocese of Boston, and he does do past life readings. And we had a horrific argument. I said, so you're admitting that the church admits that past lives are real, and you've been hiding it for years? He said, yes. I said, you don't think you're a hypocrite? He said, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> That was the end of that discussion, and I said, you know, I said, you know, Dick, do you mind if I call you Dick, do you? I said, you know, Dick, I don't mind telling you that somebody should kick you out of the priesthood. He said, we have to hush it up or somebody will. 
<laughs> and the, this, is, this is in the book. This is all in the book. And, and we also have to go into the fact that organized religion knows all these things. It's all been done, boys and girls. It's all been done. It's all been hushed up. And it's in the walk on the wild side. Also in the walk on the wild side is the new stuff they're doing now with communicating with the other side, with electronic stuff. Ooh, I was uh, going to ask you that. I was just going to ask you that. Actually, I'm telling you, it just came into my head. I wanted I'm to psychic. Say, okay, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your time in the 60s and knowing what they were doing in the 60s with music and all that. First of all, were you a Beatles fan? No, uh, I was a classical music fan because I worked at WGBH. And they only played classical music. It was a high, uh, you know, high-end thing. Now, <laughs> Sorry. But, but you know <laughs> about the what they did with sound and sound experimentation then, yes? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no question but what they were able to utilize with a skull experiment which your listeners may not be familiar with, where they were taking sound uh, with tape recorders and other other means. And the Skull Experiment went on for three years. It was done in Skull in Norfolk, England, where it was done in a, in a, in a basement, a blacked-out room, and they brought scientists in. They brought SPR members in. They brought uh, magicians in to try and duplicate it. They were able to take film that was locked in a sealed padlock box undeveloped film and when the film was taken out and developed uh, photographs of of people that were deceased were on the film Mm -hmm. this is all documented this is not made up this is all documented this book was a book written called the skull experiment and uh, i knew one of the guys who was involved with i knew uh one of the scientists who was involved in it, by the way, he's no longer living either. Uh, it's a sad thing in a way that science won't come out about it because there's too much controversy. Because what's going to happen is if science does come out about it, they have to admit that they've been wrong all these years. It's like saying we were wrong. Yes, the earth is round. We were wrong. Nobody wants to say that. And Stanton Friedman, who you may not know about, who happens to be a flying saucer guy, Stanton Friedman says nobody is going to come out and admit the truth because the government would have to admit they had been lying all these years. All these years they've been lying about what happened at Roswell. Well, if enough people, if enough people kind of come along to that, that it is, well, of course, science that knows be an easier science. transition. Not all science. Some science knows. Some science knows, just like we know there's sound waves in the atmosphere. Some science knows there is definitely another life, another existence. Precognition is real. Things can be foreseen. Uh, time is in the, we have to start studying time. I believe Stephen Hawking died a couple of days ago. <clears throat> he was on the nose here in London, where I live. Uh, it was on the BBC. Uh, all these things, you know, uh, in connection with predicting the future and all of that. Uh, and I interviewed a lot of those people in my book, uh, The Miracle Workers, and they don't know how it's done. I had some things predicted for me that were absolutely astounding. I mean, you know, I was going to lose my place to live a year and a half before, 
And there was no possibility of it happen. It happened right on target. And the psychic got it right. And uh, she's a French psychic in Belgravia. And she told me, you're going to go back to Los Angeles the third week of November, Gary. Well, Gary went back to Los Angeles the third week of November, and it wasn't funny. It's because the lady in whose house I was living wanted to avoid death duty taxes. So she gave the house in paperwork to her daughter. And when she gave the house to the daughter, the daughter had pound signs for eyes. And she said, well, Gary's room could be rented out for 400 pounds a week. <laughs> it was bye-bye birdie. Yes. Yeah. It was bye-bye so, birdie in, back in to your Malibu. Book, Gary, in your book, um, <laughs> what? let's go back to the miracle workers for a minute. Tell me some of the criteria of the the people that you chose. And let's talk about a few of the mediums and other people in that book that you chose because you have two books and they're both very important. I think they they are something that warrant a read for information on one and the stories so much on the other. One's a directory almost. Well, the miracle work is basically was based on people who could do two different things, communicate with the deceased and predict the future. And I found that the people who could communicate with the deceased were evidential, whereas the people who predict the future could not be particularly evidential because it hadn't happened yet. I did find some people who had who had uh, evidence of previous clients they had committed, had had read for where things did come true. In my case, every single person in the book read for me. So if you buy the book, you'll see my personal testimony of what I thought about that particular psychic or that particular medium. Um, you know, I would say in London, the College of Psychic Studies, Anthony Kessner was a good medium. Uh, there, there are still good mediums living today. The best one was Leslie Flint. I mean, he's no longer around. I mean, people who could produce an actual voice in the air uh, are, you know, few and far between. And he was tested, and you can hear the recordings. Uh, actually, you can hear the recordings in two ways. You can hear them on YouTube. You can hear them on LeslieFlint.com. But uh, I think the the people who predicted stuff, uh, particularly, uh, there was a couple of people in California who I thought were particularly interesting. Uh, Mary Powers was one, uh, and she gave me specific information about describing my home. I live on the beach, by the way, and I live right on the seafront, uh, sort of like Malibu Road in a way, only less expensive, uh, uh, sort of a, 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 a cut down of, of uh, what's her name's place? <laughs> Uh, I don't think I don't think I don't think would be would be talking about paying Shirley McLean's rent, uh, oh, and then yes. oh, uh, there was another lady too who I thought was very interesting who I interviewed, uh, Jennifer Schaefer, and she communicates with people who passed away, and I would have to say she did bring my mother through, but the prediction stuff is tougher because when you're predicting, you're not seeing a clock in front of your face. You're not seeing, and these people had this problem, particularly with me. Some of the people that were seeing my future, the stuff had already happened. So they were mixing the future with the past. Not their fault, necessarily, but I'm explaining to you that that's the toughest part. I think, you know, some of the people who I interviewed, I thought were, well, there's a guy in India called Kieran Nair, and his his, uh, website, I believe, is Raise Insight. 
<coughs> R-A-Y-S, insight, he was just absolutely amazing. You know, he, he knew everything about what happened to me. He told me, you moved away, you left about six years ago. Well, I did. I left, I got on a plane from Los Angeles, and I got off in Spain, and that was the end of that story, mate. And he got it right. He got it to the year. So uh, so there are people with these skills. There are people also with skills out there. And I will not mention any names, so don't get worried. Uh, what does the English always say? Don't get your knickers in a twist. I think there are people out there who are doing really, really horrible things by having 500 people in an audience in a theater or an auditorium and pointing a finger and saying, I'd like to come to you. I have a mother figure with you. Can you take that? Well, anybody could take that. A mother figure doesn't mean it's your mother. It doesn't mean it's your aunt. It doesn't mean it's your sister. It could be anybody that's a mother figure. It could be anybody that's female. And did she have medications before she died? Well, who doesn't have medications? And it goes on like that and on like that. And these are the people who are being uh, paraded around. Uh, and and there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a term for it. It's called cold reading. It's being done all the time. And these well, there's these a, a tremendous difference between someone like Leslie Flint from what you're saying, which is a whole yeah. different energy field, too. It's not so sensational. The sensation is in what's happening. It's just happening. Right? Well, I think if you go on, uh, after the show, if you go on Amy Johnson, Leslie Flint, and there's a website called ADC Guides. That's the number, that's the letters ADC, Apple Dog Cat Guides, uh, dot com. I think it stands for After Death. Uh, Amy Johnson. Amy Johnson was a flying ace, and, and she communicates for about 45 minutes. And she's talking about, she says, you mean there's no cure for the common cold since I was? She died in an airplane crash in the 1940s. And mm-hmm. she says, this is terrible. There's no cure for the common cold. And she mm-hmm. said, everybody knows they've got to die. What's the problem? Why doesn't anybody want to find out about it? And it's just an absolutely amazing uh, seance, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. Um, we're running out of time. We, we, you can talk, go on with we do this many, many times I'm over, interested. but I want to I just jump into one last segment here, and that is, what is it about this work you've done that you love so much? What do you love when you're researching all these things? Because you have so many stories you can share. I think because we are, what I love is that we are, we are bound to be, and we are, turning the corner. We're turning the corner with psychical research or parapsychology or whatever. I mean, we're standing at the threshold of a new era, the era, you know, of the Wright brothers or the era of the fact that the earth is <laughs> revolving around the sun and the earth is not flat anymore. You're not going to fall off there. Well, you know, it, that's what makes it exciting for me because I won't live to see it, but your children and your grandchildren will live to see it. This This time in which... Everything's going to be different. I mean, the idea of communicating with dead people is going to be just as normal as calling people on the phone because this dimension is on the verge of being discovered through quantum physics. And once that happens, and once everybody, oh, my God, there's millions of people, this is going to be uh, exciting. 
exciting in a way, and I don't agree with Stan Friedman, he says the most exciting thing is to find out that extraterrestrial visitations are real. Well, sorry, Stan, step over. The most exciting thing is to find out that there's no such thing as death. Right. Now, that's a pretty right. exciting thing. I thank you very much for coming again. We can have you back a hundred times. It's so interesting, all your stories and everything that you're sharing. Thank you. And so tell people the name of your books one more time. Uh, the book you can get now is on Amazon by typing in the type t- uh, name of the book, which is The Miracle Workers, the World Psychic Consultants. And that's in paperback on CrateSpace. And the other book is called a Walk on the Wild Side, One Man's Experiences with Psychic Phenomena. And that comes out from six books in London on the 29th of June of this year. And I will be signing books at Watkins Books in London. If anybody wants to come by for tea, join me. Great. And, and what's an email where people can reach you, Gary? Email is Gary at Gary Williams paranormal.com and what makes your life brighter what makes my life brighter is speaking talking of talking to people like you what else come on <laughs> it doesn't get better than this oh thank you for coming back thank you so much all right everybody go jolly out there i hope you take this and make somebody else's life brighter and go out and get gary's books it's fascinating we'll talk to you again gary thank you so much for coming see you next week okay, everybody take care. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Go Jolly! This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.